If you would please open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, we will be beginning in verse 14 today. Now today's sermon uh, comes from well, comes from Mark, where Jesus is addressing a matter that was should have been pretty obvious, but was up for a bit of debate. What defiles a person? What ruins a person? What defiles a person? And I'd like to just put out there that we we as humans. We love to place the blame on other people, don't we? Whenever there's some problem, oh, well, they, you know, my, my coworker, they messed it up. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Maybe it's your family. Well, if you knew my siblings, they, they were the ones that messed it up. They made me do what I did. We like to place the blame on other people. When I was growing up, I have, uh, I have six siblings, and so we were all just swapping the, the blame for stuff. We were all just placing the blame on other people, and it kind of evened out because I may not get in trouble for the thing I did, but then I would get in trouble for the thing my sister did, so it, it worked itself out. Um, but we were constantly placing the blame on other people. We didn't want to take responsibility for our own actions. What, what I did as my own person, I didn't want to take the blame for. And my siblings, same thing. Now, this is not a, a new thing. This is not just for children. This still happens today, no matter what age you are. And it's been going on since the beginning of the earth. If we were to look back in Genesis chapter 3, no, don't turn there right now, just giving a little summary. Um, Adam and Eve have sinned, and God comes to the garden, and God says to Adam, you know, that you've, you've sinned. Who told you that you were naked? And what does Adam say? The woman that you made for me, Eve, she is the one that, that did this. She's the fault. She's at fault here. So God turns to Eve, and does she own up and say, yes, I ate that tree? No, it's the serpent. The serpent made me do it. He's the one that, that should be in trouble here. The blame game is something that we are still playing today and is as old as time. But here Jesus gives no excuse in Matthew chapter 7. Beginning in verse 14, it says, When he had called all the multitudes to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, because it, is, it does not enter his heart, but his stomach? and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, 
precede evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Let us pray. Almighty Father, thank you that, Lord, that you have not given us the easy out. Lord, as much as we want to shift the blame, I thank you that you have not given us an easy out to just place the blame for our actions on the things around us, the people around us. God, I pray that we would be men and women of character, of godly character, who submit to you, confess to our wrongs, own up to the things that we do, Lord. And I pray that we would recognize our only hope of change, our only hope of salvation is you and you alone. God, I pray you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your word has to say. Give us clarity. We pray this in your name. Amen. We like to play the blame game. The first thing that we see in this is that your circumstances are not to blame for your sins. Your circumstances are not to blame for your sins. All the time I will hear of something going wrong, someone doing something they know they shouldn't do, the very first thing they say is, well, if you were there, you would know. You would understand. If you were there, you'd understand why I I brake-checked that truck. If you were there, you'd understand why I uh, used one of my fingers at, at the guy that cut me off. If you were there, you'd understand. You'd know. Your circumstances do not dictate what you do. Your circumstances do not have authority over you. We all have struggles with our relationships, our friends, our family, struggles with our jobs. There's struggles with pretty much anything that we are doing in life. And that's not to say that Uh, your struggles, whatever's going on at work or in your family. It's not to say that that doesn't matter. But that that does not dictate what you do. We are still responsible for our own actions. You know, we we often think, well, if I I could just get rid of this one thing in my life, then, then I'd be fine. If I could just get rid of this one little piece of my life, then I would have no problems. I wouldn't have to deal with this sin anymore, this anger, this pride. I wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. You still would. You would. Think about the most perfect environment you can think of. And you really don't have to think that hard because God tells us of a perfect environment. That is the garden. The Garden of Eden. When this earth was created, there was perfection on earth. There was no sin in the world. There were no struggles, no pain, no suffering. They didn't have a boss that was domineering over them or employees that just didn't do what they asked them to do. 
they didn't have all these struggles that we do and all these people to worry about. It was just a man and a wife living in perfection, walking with God. Yet they fell. They sinned. And we often think, well, you know, maybe if, if I was in the garden, I would have I known. I would have not eaten that fruit. I think we would. You and I, we would. Because we're, we're humans. We, we want the very thing that we know we're not supposed to have. Even in a perfect world, perfect circumstances, you could not get better circumstances for life and to live holy and righteously, yet they still chose sin. Your circumstances are not what cause you to sin. It is not the things going on in this world. It is not what goes into you that defiles you. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. Now, typically when we think of this perfect world, we really just want God to not convict us and for people to just agree with us. That's what we think of our, our perfect world as. But I can guarantee you we will not have that on this earth. And I, I've run a little experiment. I know for a fact that we won't. Because in my classroom, I, you know, I, have, a, I have a portable outside my school, and so I control my own temperature in the room. And when I first got there, I'd have to, students telling me, well, it's too cold in here, so I'd turn the AC up. I'd say, well, it's too, it's too hot in here, so I'd turn the AC down. And it got to the point where I was just bouncing back and forth between up and down, up and down, up and down. Even just the temperature, people couldn't agree on. Now, I ended up just saying, you know what? Y'all can just either bring a jacket or wear short sleeves. I'm just going to put it to whatever temperature I want, and y'all can deal with it. But even just temperature we as people cannot agree on. This idea of a utopia will never happen while we have this sinful nature. That's why we look forward to heaven. We don't just have this earth, this life. We don't just have this, this failing body. We have an eternal hope, an eternal future that we are waiting for. Where we will not have disagreements about the temperature. We won't have all these struggles that we have today. We will have perfection, but it's not that we will have perfection and still be just as we are. We'll be living with God, and we will have this fleshly heart taken from us. We'll be given a new heart, one that does not have a sinful desire, a sinful nature, but one that loves God as we are supposed to. We will live in eternity with God. That is what we're looking forward to. So on this side of heaven, there will be no perfect circumstances. But in heaven, we will have perfect circumstances. And it's not just that everything will go right for you, but that you will be perfected. That's what we're looking forward to. Not the things outside of us, but the things within us being made righteous and perfect and holy. That's what we're looking forward to. But the things outside of us, our circumstances, do not dictate what we do. The next thing we see, looking specifically at what Jesus is talking about here, 
is that what we intake does not cause us to sin. It is not the cause of sin. After he has spoken to the people, he then goes back with his disciples. And they, they were asking about the parable, and he says, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? Now, in those days, they had many food laws. Foods you could and could not eat. I would not last long here because uh, bacon was one of the things you could not eat. I, you know, I respect the people of the Old Testament. I could not do it. Um, but they had all these certain foods that they could not eat. And these were things that God commanded them not to eat. It was good for them not to eat it. It was following the law of God. But as we looked at last week, the, the Pharisees, they were just keeping up with the tradition, but had no love for God. Well, here, again, these, these people had the tradition. They knew the law of God. They knew the things they shouldn't do, but they had no love for other people or for God. The issue was not that they did not eat uh, pork or shellfish. That's fine. You don't have to eat that. The issue was that they were not loving God and they were not loving other people. When Jesus was asked about what is the greatest commandment, he said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. On those two laws hang the rest of the commands. On those two things hang the rest of the commandments. If you have all the other things, but you miss that, if you miss the love for God, if you miss the love for your neighbor, then all the rest of that doesn't matter. All the rest of that is, it, it has nothing to hang on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, with your entire being, all that you are, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. On those hang the rest of the law. See, it is easy. It's easy to do as the Pharisees were doing, mark your calendar and set aside these days for feasts and for fasts. To set aside days to go to the temple and just keep up with the calendar. It's easy to make a list of the foods that you're not supposed to eat. Okay, stay away from this, stay away from that. Um, don't, wear, don't wear clothes with mixed fabrics. It's easy to do that. All these outward appearances of holiness. But it is much, much harder to love the Lord your God with all of your being. And even harder than that is to love your neighbor as yourself. This is another time where we like to bring our circumstances in. Well, God, you don't know who my neighbor is. God, you don't know. They, they throw parties late at night. It's always super loud. They wake up at 5 a.m. on Saturday to mow. Do you, you really expect me to love that person? Yeah. It's easy to have the appearance of holiness without genuine love for your neighbor. Let me put it in more modern terms, not just 
the food laws and the, the, the feasts that they did, it's easy to throw money in an offering plate. It's easy to show up on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. It's easy to volunteer for a committee, but it is hard to love the other people on that committee. It is hard to lay aside our own interests for the sake of unity. It's hard to humble ourselves and put others first and love those people that we, we cannot stand, to love them as ourselves. That's much harder than showing up to a fellowship meal. But that is what God has called us to. It is not about the external things. It is not about the things outside of us. It is about what comes from our hearts. What God is concerned about is not the food that you eat. He's not concerned about the clothes that you wear. I mean, he is concerned about that, but that's, that's secondary. What God is primarily concerned with is the state of your heart. Are you loving other people? Are you concerned about other people? Are you caring for other people? Or are you just concerned with your outward appearance? Are you just concerned with how people view you? You know, the Pharisees, they, as the religious leaders of the day, people looked to them like they were celebrities. You know, they were, they were hot stuff. But inwardly, they were rotting. So Jesus says, hey, the things that you eat, you, they go into you and then come out of you, and that's, that's it. That's done. But who you are as a person, that's where my concern is. That's where God's concern is. Are you thus without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated? The outward expressions of your faith are important, but they are secondary to loving others, caring for others, putting others first. In fact, I, I referenced this last week. Isaiah chapter 1, God is speaking to the Israelite people in Isaiah chapter 1, and he says that their new moons and their appointed feasts, in other words, the feasts that God told them to have, the festivals that God told them to have, God says that they are a burden to him. It wasn't that he didn't want them to do those things, but it was because they were doing those things, had the outward appearance of holiness, but had no love for other people. They were being cruel to the, the poorest of the poor and the widows and the orphans. They were being cruel to them, yet the next day, going to these feasts and putting up a front, like they were righteous, like they were holy. So God told them, that it's a burden to me. I don't want it. God does not, he doesn't need our sacrifices and our, our, our offering. He doesn't need our feasts. He doesn't need our, our fellowship meals. What he needs is us to love and be in unity with one another. That's what God wants. That's what God needs. Those other things are good. We should keep doing those. We should be putting a focus on those. But if there's no love for one another, then that is useless. 
Love for one another is what God wants. It is not our, our situations, our circumstances that defile us. And it's not what we eat or what we do, the outward expression of our faith that defiles us. It is the heart that causes sin. What's inside of us. Now this doesn't mean just this organ right here. It means the center of our being. The heart refers to who we are at the core of our person. It is the heart that causes sin. The heart is deceitful. The heart is wicked. What comes out of a man, verse 20, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and defile a man. It is what comes from within that defiles a man. Our hearts are deceitful and wicked. All the time I hear people saying, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. That is terrible advice. Your heart will lead you astray daily. I don't know about you, but when I see like a my big thing is books. I love books. And one time I was at uh, Barnes & Noble, saw this book, and I, frankly, I texted Kelsey hoping that she would say, yeah, buy it. Um, I already had the book, but this was like a really nice edition. And in my heart, my heart was telling me, buy it. Just go buy it. You, you do need to spend $40 on a book that you already have. That's what, was, that, what my heart was saying. Now, I knew that I didn't need it, and luckily, um, well, I didn't think it was luckily at the time, but Kelsey said, maybe wait, wait a little bit. Um, so I didn't end up buying it. But my heart, if I was just following my heart, I'd be spending $40 on a book that I already own. <laughs> now that's a, a small example, but that's what our heart tells us to do. Our heart will lead us astray. Our heart is constantly changing directions. You ever try and drive, and every single turn you come to, oh, I should take this one. I should take this one. I should go this way. Are you going to get to your destination? No. You're just turning every time you have a, a turn. No. You're going to end up lost. Our heart is deceitful. Sin is based on what comes out of you. Now, there is, there is a bit of warning in this, but there's also good news in this. The warning is that it doesn't our holiness does not depend on outward appearances. We can have the appearance of holiness with no actual love for God or love for others in our hearts. There's a warning there. In Matthew 7, Jesus said that not all who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father. In fact, he says on that day, many will say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And on that day, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Those are people that have the outward appearance of holiness. They do all the right things. They show up at, 
you know, all the time to church and maybe they, they serve on committees and do all these good deeds, but never truly live for the Lord. An outward appearance of holiness will lead nowhere. But the good news of this is that it means we don't have to worry about changing the whole world to make us righteous. We don't have to worry about changing our circumstances in order to gain some sort of uh, uh, standing before God. I don't have to convince everybody around me to stop doing something in order to have righteousness and a righteous standing, a, a just standing before God. Because it's not about the people around me, it's about what's going on in my heart. Now we should be striving to bring people closer to God. We should be bringing the gospel to other people. But our own personal salvation is not based on other people. It's not based on what they do. It's based on the heart. Your own heart. The good news of that is you don't have to change them. And frankly, we can't change other people. We can't even change our own hearts. But God has not asked us to change our hearts by ourselves. To take that weight upon us and, and do this work on our own. That's what Jesus came to do. To live the life that you and I should have lived. In perfection, the life that you and I were called to. The life that we were created for. But we fail at daily. He came to live that life and die the death that we deserve in order that in him we might have his righteousness. We might have a new heart and become a new person because of him. Our righteousness doesn't depend on ourselves. Because again, this heart, this heart that we all have, it is wicked, it's deceitful, it wants evil, it wants you to fail. But God will give you a new heart. God gives us a new, a new heart. He calls us a new creation, that we are a new creation in Him. Not because of what we've done, but because of what He did on the cross. So the warning is, don't just have the outward appearance of, of righteousness, of holiness, but no love for other people. The good news, though, is that we don't have to cultivate that holiness in ourselves. We don't have to do enough good deeds to try and shift our heart back to God. God gives us a new heart. God gives us a new love, a new life in Him. So friends, if you have been led astray by the wandering of your heart, if you have been following whatever desire comes about, and you need to turn to the Lord and be given a new heart today, or if you've been depending on just an outward appearance of righteousness, but you need to commit to loving the Lord, would you come down and let me pray with you? As we're about to sing, as the Lord leads, would you come? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you have not depended on us to make ourselves righteous because we never could. We would never be able to. 
even in a perfect world, even in the Garden of Eden, we would still fall. And we would fall short of your mark. So Lord, I thank you that you have given us a new heart, given us new life. And Lord, I pray for anybody here that does not have that new heart and does not have a new life in you, I pray that you would call them to repentance. Lord, I pray that we would all grow to love you deeper, to uh, love you with all of our being, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I pray that you would give us humility and selflessness as we work together as a church. I ask this in your name. Amen.